all of a sudden from nowhere jhana does not appear in your mind. You have worked very hard and you prepared for it and struggled and attained it. So you remember the struggle, the steps you followed. Then you reflect the jhana and remember the way you attain it. Then you determine to attain it. Somebody says, asked the question yesterday, is determination another way of uh, desire arising in different way? Friends, I mentioned yesterday, it depends on the kind of determination, the motive, intention. If the intention is to do something wrong, unwholesome, then of course determination also becomes unwholesome determination. For instance, if you determine to steal something and you plot, plan to do it without getting caught, so all the way you have determination and yet it is unwholesome because the motive, intention is unwholesome. Here in the case of attaining jhana, your intention is a very wholesome intention. You don't intend to attain jhana to hurt somebody, but you intend to attain it for all your own purification of mind and eventually gaining deeper insight to see things as they really are. So it is a very wholesome intention or determination. With this determination you make a determination to attain it, how long you want to stay, not of course for many days, but at least longer than the first one, first time you attain it. And then at the end of it, you come out of it naturally, not with uh, great force, determination. Then get out of it and then re-attain it. This is how we master the first jhana. You lose it, then you reflect to remember the steps you followed, then you determine to attain it, determine to stay a certain period of time and determine to get out of it. Then attain it. So when you keep repeating this several times, each time you lose it, don't get discouraged, repeat the steps and you attain it. Since you have 
remembered the state it is not difficult to re-attain it once you lose it. As you keep attaining several times, your initial thought and sustained thought would be dropped out. What are the initial thought? I mentioned yesterday, thought of letting go. You don't have to make it anymore, effort to let go, because it happens to you now very naturally. So you don't think about it anymore. Losing this does not mean you lose something uh, unwillingly, reluctantly, but you have its impact in the mind already. And then the second applied thought is the thought of metta. Metta has taken root in your mind and uh, you don't have to make special effort anymore. It stays there. But it is not uh, great effort. You then need no, don't need the great effort to maintain it. Then the thought of compassion also is there, lurking in your mind without making a great effort. So apparently their uh, presence is not very clear, but their impact already is in your mind. So we say you lose initial thought. Now you are not very much uh, interested in it to develop it. And the sustained thought goes along with it. Once the initial thought leaves the mind, sustained thought, meaning keeping them in the mind, strengthening it, also is not required anymore. So now the mind naturally glides into the second jhana. Sometimes you, when you read, friends, many things we read, written by many different writers, teachers, according to their understanding and experience, and therefore sometimes until we experience ourselves, those explanations sometimes would not be very clear to us, and therefore there can be some confusion, even misunderstanding. So what happens? You lose them because you are not any longer interested in those things. As you keep attaining so many times the same jhana, these two factors would no longer be there, present in a very active way. So we call it, you don't have initial thought and sustained thought in the second jhana. So this is the second jhanic formula of the passage. 
with the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, one enters and dwells in the second jhana, which has internal confidence and unification of mind, is without applied thought and sustained thought, is filled with rapture and bliss born of concentration. <coughs> this paragraph tells us all about the second jhana. With the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, as I mentioned, one enters and dwells in the second jhana. Now, once you attain the first jhana, you deliberately don't have to come out of it to attain the second. You don't have to make a special effort to attain only the second jhana, because you have already done all your preparatory work. So you have attained the first. And as you keep attaining it several times, every time it loses, then the mind would be ready to glide naturally into the second jhana. It happens very naturally. Because that is the nature of Dhamma. When previous state is well developed, well cultivated, strengthened by attaining several times, mind naturally goes to the second attainment, second jhana. It has internal confidence. Internal confidence because after attaining the first jhana, you build up your confidence. It also happens naturally because you experience it so many times. When you experience certain things so many times, you certainly naturally will develop your confidence. You say to yourself, ah, I can do it. I can do it. Also you have confidence not only in yourself but also in the system, in the method. The method that Buddha has very clearly explained, we have the confidence in that. Then we have the confidence in the Buddha who introduced this method, this system. And he was not talking just out of uh, blue out of the blue. He experienced them, went through them, and therefore with his, from his experience he explained, and therefore we have confidence in the Buddha. Also we have confidence in the Sangha, members of the order and members of the Buddha, who have attained these stages. We have heard that they have attained these stages, but until we have we attain it, our confidence is not firmly established. This kind of confidence or faith is called in Pali Avichapasada, which has been translated into English 
in unshakable faith. I would say it is the faith based on understanding or faith endowed with understanding. Avicca in Pali is understanding. I want to, with those who are familiar with certain Pali terms, I like to remind them, in the Ratana Sutta there is a Avicca Pasada. Avicca Pasati. Tayasudamma Jaita Bhanti. Avicca Pasati. Avicca Pasati means, Avicca means understanding. Having understood you build up your faith. This is a very wonderful system. You don't have faith, a blind faith, without understanding. And therefore you gain understanding from your own experience, not by listening or reading books. So now you have experienced the first jhana, you lose, lost it and reattain it several times, so you, now you can talk with full confidence. You can continue the practice with full confidence. This is called internal confidence. And unification of mind, in the first jhana, unification of mind is not specifically mentioned in the passage, although it is there. But that unification is not very, very powerful. Relatively it is powerful, relative to ordinary state of mind, but compared to the second jhana, unification, one-pointedness is not very strong. Why it is very strong in the second jhana? because initial thought and sustained thought are no longer there. Initial thought and sustained thought, thought of letting go, thought of uh, friendliness and thought of compassion are wonderful wholesome thoughts, but because of their presence, total uh, unification of mind is not there. So long as you have initial thought and sustained thought, what is called vitakka and vichara, there are in a chip, 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 chip in a mind, in a talking. Initial thought and sustained thought are called verbal conditioning. Verbal conditioning, because we first think and utter words. And therefore, these two are called word conditioner, vachi sankhara. So long as we have these conditioners, these thoughts, inner talk, very subtle, verbalizing is there not total silence. 
Therefore, when you talked about noble silence, this is where we have real noble silence. When? When, they are, when we attain the second jhana. Why we have the noble silence in the second jhana? Because there are no initial thought and sustained thought. So long as they are there, verbalizing is going on in a very subtle, quiet way in our mind. And therefore it is not total, that is the, so long as these thoughts are going on in the mind, there is no total silence. Aryotunni bhava, in Pali it is called Aryotunni bhava, noble person's silent. You become noble person, not uh, having these two kinds of thought. The noble here also is not uh, the state that you have attained supramundane level. But this kind of silence is the silence that those who have attained supramundane levels observe. And therefore it is called, it just uh, figuratively called noble silence. Now, when there is noble silence, just imagine the degree of concentration you have. So, unification of mind without applied thought and sustained thought. That is the reason and that is how you gain real, Arya, noble silence without these two thoughts. And filled with rapture and bliss. Rapture and bliss means uh, piti sukha or sometimes we call joy and happiness. Joy and happiness is there in a stronger degree, higher than in the first jhana. Even in the first jhana you have joy and happiness, bliss and rapture in the first jhana, but they are still weak. But therefore when you attain the second jhana, your joy and happiness or bliss and rapture are very strong. Why they are so strong? Because those two mental states arise from your concentration. When concentration is very sharp, very strong, without applied thought and sustained thought, your bliss and rapture also is very, very strong. Now, one thing, when you attain the second jhana, you experience these mental states, but don't try to verbalize them. You cannot verbalize. The moment you try to verbalize, you lose the second jhana. That is what happens to the first jhana as well. 
so the mind and body become steadier and steadier as you attain higher and higher jhanas. Now, Buddha gave very beautiful uh, simile. Now, let us look at the mental states, mental factors you find in the second jhana. In the first jhana there are sixteen mental factors. When you go to the second jhana you have fourteen of them. As I mentioned yesterday, they are uh, rapture, happiness or bliss, uh, pleasure, uh, unification of mind, contact, feelings, perceptions, volition, and uh, consciousness, zest, uh, decision, energy, mindfulness, equanimity, and attention. All these are present in the second jhana. <coughs> and Buddha gave a very beautiful simile to illustrate the second jhana. Uh, simile is uh, that there is a lake, and in the lake water is very, very clean. There is no rain, but from the bottom, at the bottom there is a spring. From that spring always fresh water flows into this lake. So on the top no, there is no dirt because it overflows and all the dirt will be washed away. And therefore the lake's water is crystal clear, very pure. Similarly, when the person attains the second jhana, joy and happiness or bliss and rapture continuously flows into the mind. Bliss and rapture continuously keeps arising, nourishing the mind, making every cell in the body and mind fresh and clean. We have no way to know it other than attaining that very state to experience it. So that is the simile of the, for the, to illustrate the second jhana. And we will go through the next one, third jhana. The third jhana, now as you attain the second jhana, again you may lose it, because even the second jhana, uh, bliss and rapture are very powerful and yet 
as you keep attaining it, attaining that jhana again and again and again, the mind will become so interested in it and yet slowly lose interest. Because when certain things happens again and again and again, the initial impact, initial strength loses. So what is what you would do in the attainment of the third jhana is the rapture. Uh, what is called pity or uh, bliss, you lose. Instead, there arises these factors. Let me read the passage and then I explain them. With the fading away of rapture, one bears in equanimity, mindful and discerning, and one experiences in one's own person that bliss which the noble ones say happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful, thus one enters and attains in the third jhana. Now, what fades away is rapture. Sometimes it is called bliss or Pali, piti. One dwells in equanimity. Now new factor arises. Now even this factor was in the first jhana. I think I mentioned the, the list of the first jhana factors. And even this was present in the second jhana, but not very significantly powerful, and therefore it is not uh, mentioned as uh, the factor. But in the third dhyana, equanimity, balanced state of mind becomes prominent. Another factor becomes prominent. What is that? mindfulness and clear comprehension. Where does this come from? Mindfulness and clear comprehension or discernment. I mentioned in our earlier talk that, I don't know whether I mentioned, I think I was going to mention, perhaps I might have not, that uh, when we prepare for the attainment of jhana, that preparation is very, very much like the same as when you are preparing for attaining insight. Jhani, preparation for jhanic attainment is the same as the preparation of insight attainment. That is, or when we practice insight, what you have? Mindfulness and clear comprehension. Sati, Sampajanga. 
mindfulness and clear comprehension. Also I mentioned in the, uh, at the beginning that uh, uh, jhana is uh, uh, preceded by mindfulness. You attain mindfulness, gain mindfulness, and then attain concentration in the Noble Eightfold Path. So, and also I said, in order to make the jhana right jhana, we have to have mindfulness. And therefore, mindfulness is there all the time. But now it becomes more conspicuous, clear, prominent. So we have two additional factors here equanimity and mindfulness. What we lost is bliss or joy and replaced it by two additional factors such as equanimity and mindfulness and clear comprehension or discernment. And that is the state, the mind is more blissful. The noble ones say, happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful. Happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful. So, what we are doing here is on the one hand we gain concentration, on the other hand we have mindfulness and clear comprehension. <coughs> uh, I mentioned that uh, uh, you practice mindfulness and then practice concentration, or you practice concentration and gain mindfulness, or these two go hand in hand, and these are the three ways. That is, mindfulness preceded by concentration, or concentration preceded by mindfulness and joined together. There is another way of gaining uh, concentration, that is uh, settling all the mental states inwardly, inside, without uh, making very any special effort is called uh, ajyattam sannisidana, in, inwardly mental state calming, settling, one gains concentration. Anyway, here we see two things have happened together. What are they? The 
mindfulness uh, and discerning or clear comprehension on the one hand and equanimity on the other. These two work together in the, in the, the third journey. So therefore, noble ones, noble ones means those who have attained stages of enlightenment. They say, because from their own personal experience, they say, happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful. Now you can see, gradually all the factors coming together. On the one hand we have concentration, on the other hand we have mindfulness. They all are coming together. Then Buddha give very beautiful simile to illustrate this situation. Suppose there is a lake again. In that lake there are various type of lotus plants, blue lotus, red lotus, white lotus plants. And the, these plants from bottom to top, every cell, every part of the lotus is saturated with water. Not one single cell of this plant is dry without water. Every cell is filled with moisture. Similarly, one who has attained this state experiences uh, happiness or rapture in the mind and body. So see the truth in the mind and body. And this is sometimes called dhammaṁ kāyena-pāsati. The phenomena we see in the body. All start in the mind. We practice this attaining jhāna is a mental exercise, mental attainment. Mental attainment, when something happens in the mind, <coughs> it manifests in the body. I mean, even in ordinary sense, when you have uh, uh, when we are angry, you can anybody can see that person's anger on the person's face. When you are full of joy, anybody can see the joy on your face. But this, when you attain this state, you experience it in your mind and body equally. That means every little tiny little cell in the body is charged with the experience of happiness, every part of the body. 
Just like this lotus stalk, the plant is completely uh, saturated, filled with moisture from bottom to top, every tiny little part. Similarly, our body and mind is charged with this experience. I think people who have uh, knowledge of uh, uh, chemistry, uh, biology, uh, neurology uh, can uh, tell us more about it because what happens in the mind is expressed in the body in some ways, either certain diseases and uh, certain uh, cure for certain diseases all take place because of the mental state. Now we go to the fourth jhana. <coughs> After attending the second, third jhana, in the third jhana also you keep, after attaining it, you keep losing it, you repeat it and re-attain it uh, several times, then you lose uh, what is called happiness. Though the uh, pleasure, because it becomes so subtle, eventually the mind is not interested in it, because mind says something higher than that. So when the mind loses interest in it, it disappears, naturally it disappears. Then we attain the fourth jhana. This is how fourth jhana is described. With the abandoning of pleasure and pain and with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, one enters and dwells in the fourth jhana which has neither pain nor pleasure purity of mindfulness and with the purity of mindfulness and equanimity. Now, abandoning pleasure and pain, we are not making any special effort to abandon pleasure and pain. Pain, in the first, when you attain the first jhana, you have already overcome your pain. Because there is something more pleasant for you to focus the mind on. You focus the mind on your joy and happiness that you gain from being secluded from sensual pleasures and unwholesome mental states. At that time, you are not uh, paying any attention to your pain. Pain naturally subsides, disappears. Instead you have joy and happiness just being away from sensual pleasures and unwholesome mental states. And the pleasure you overcome when you, when you attain the 
for jhana because it is no longer, uh, you are no longer interested in it because it compares to the attainment of the four jhana is gross. Now, all the, at the beginning these are very uh, welcoming, pleasant experiences as the mind develops, becomes clearer and clearer and clearer, sharper and sharper and sharper, purer and purer, these mental states, originally they were very pleasant, now they are very gross, not very subtle. So you leave them behind, the mind leaves them behind. And then with the previous, previous disappearance, joy and grief, joy you let go when you attain the third jhana, grief you let go by attaining the second jhana, and therefore what is left with you is enters and dwells in the fourth jhana, which, is, which has neither pain nor pleasure. Neither pain nor pleasure simply means what? Equanimity. Equanimity. Friends, <clears throat> don't assume that you lose all your feelings when you attain jhanas. People tend to think that they become just like a rock, just like under anesthetic. No. You still have a very wonderful feeling called equanimous feeling, equanimity. Equanimity is one of the feelings. When you see the categories of feelings, uh, Sukha, Somanasa, Dhomanasa, Upekha. Sukha, no, Sukha, Dukkha, Somanasa, Dhomanasa, Upekha. Happiness, pain, uh, then Sukha, Dukkha, then mental happiness is called Somanasa, Dhomanasa is grief and uh, uh, upekha is equanimity among feelings. So this is the feeling you still have even in the fourth state of jhana, even in the fourth jhana. So here all alone, from the beginning to the end, the mind is very much alert aware, mindful of every state you attain. And therefore it is not any kind of dreams. Something happened to you mysteriously. Something deliberately you develop and you are fully aware of what is happening and then your feeling goes along with it becoming 
refiner and refiner and refiner until you attain this state called for jhana. And there <coughs> one more factor is become has become pure. What is that factor? Is mindfulness. Mindfulness becomes pure in the fourth jhana. Now you can see both concentration and mindfulness shake hand in the fourth jhana. These are not two separate practices. Mindfulness and concentration, according to this attainment, this description, are not two separate attainments. They both have common ground. One who gains concentration, right concentration, definitely has mindfulness. Without mindfulness you can never gain right concentration. So long as right concentration is there, mindfulness is there, your practice of meditation practice is complete practice. <coughs> so sometimes when he talked about jhana, uh, people think uh, jhana is something totally different from mindfulness practice, totally different from metta practice, totally different from insight practice. No, friends. All these come together. All these practices come together in order to make our practice complete. That is why in the Noble Eightfold Path, if you read the Noble Eightfold Path, even if you have not experienced all of them, read very carefully. That is the complete system. System comes to, it is crowning when you attain the jhana, fourth jhana. Before that you have practiced right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and so forth. All this slowly, gradually developed until you come to this level, attaining fourth jhana. There everything is crowned. In that fourth jhanic attainment, Equanimity is pure, mindfulness is pure, clean. And therefore in the fourth jhana there are some additional qualities. What are they? Purity and brightness, unblemished, rid of imperfections. Malleable, wieldy, steady, and attain to imperturbability. 
imperturbability. It is said, evam parisuddhe, pariyodate, anangane, vigutupakilese, mudubhute, khammane, thite, ananjapatte. These are the eight additional qualities you find in the fourth jhana. And therefore, <coughs> this is the stage, if somebody use it, one can attain full enlightenment. If somebody uh, just stay here without attaining full enlightenment, still one can use this mental state for various uh, unusually what you call super-normal attainments. But we are not interested in them. But three super-normal attainments we are interested in. What are they? Knowing, experiencing, understanding one's own previous lives. Second, knowing, understanding, being, dying and taking rebirth according to their karma. And third and most important is the knowledge and awareness gaining deep insight into the destruction of all defilements. These are the three things that can, we can develop when we attain the fourth jhana. Even attain without attaining fourth jhana, so any of these jhanas one can uh, develop the understanding or insight into destruction of all defilements. But these are sort of additional embellishments uh, which make the practice complete. And therefore, attaining jhanas is not very simple and also not impossible. Simple doesn't mean it uh, doesn't it, it doesn't it, it's not simple doesn't mean uh, it is uh, unattainable. No, it is uh, not very simple, but attainable when we understand the system and strive seriously enough. We attain that. So, this is the sort of uh, overview of all the four jhanas. And tomorrow onward I will go into details. I think today this, talk, this is enough as Dhamma talk.